Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for joining us once again. It's Mike and Mark with you, and hope you're all well. Well, our guest today, Mark, is the all time home run hitter in Los Angeles Dodgers history. He was a rookie of the year. He was a player you got to know during your time in the game and as a broadcaster. It's Eric Karros. Yeah, Mike, and a very versatile guy. And uh, when I look back at his career, I think it's identified as his consistency, but really didn't get his just due because an all-star caliber player that never played in an all-star game. And it was just interesting that that never uh, came to fruition. But what a talented player, but also a very talented broadcaster. Eric, thanks so much for joining us. Your six-round pick out of UCLA in 1988. You raced through the minors. But let's start with your major league beginning when you were called up September of 91. Tell us about the moment you found out you were going to the big leagues. Who told you? What transpired? Who'd you call? So uh, I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, playing for the Dukes. And uh, my manager at the time was Kevin Kennedy, who would later go on to, to manage in the big leagues. Uh, so he called, there were, I think there were five of us that got called in. Uh, there's a, a, a relief pitcher that later pitched for the Yankees, John Wetland. Um, there was Tom Goodwin, who now I think coaches with the Red Sox, but one of the fastest kids. Uh, a couple other guys, but uh, Kevin had said, hey, look at you guys have had great years. You're going to have an opportunity to go to up to L.A. And at the time, the Dodgers were, um, you know, c- competing with the uh, the Giants, um, I mean, I'm sorry, the, the Braves and the Reds, um, you know, for the division. And it was exciting for us. We're thinking, holy geez, man, we're going up to the big leagues. They're right in the thick of uh, trying to win the division playoffs. Um, so then we, uh, to properly prepare for it, uh, we stayed up all night. <laughs> and, uh you know, then we had a we had a flight out the next morning, Sunday morning, and we suited up for that day's game, which was against the Chicago Cubs. And needless to say, we were, uh, you know, we were all on adrenaline, uh, you know, nothing, you know, the, the, the hype and everything. We were all excited. And then uh, I made my first appearance that day. And ironically, um, I made it as a pinch runner. <laughs> <laughs> which is so contrary to my career and, and my physical abilities. Um, but yeah, I, I pinch ran for Mike Sharperson and that was my, you know, I still remember running onto the field, you know, Tommy and remember th- this is the, the crazy part. Yes. Pinch runner, but a hall of fame manager made that decision. So, you know, you can't question the hall of famer here, Tommy Lasorda. <laughs> But I remember running out there, uh, still, you know, going up the steps of the dugout and then running out to first base. And I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm just thinking, holy shit, you know, it's like <laughs> I've, I've, you know, I've, I've made it to the big leagues. So EK, that, that EK if we, if we could go back just a little bit though, when, when Kevin Kennedy gives you that uh, indication, you're going up to the big leagues. Who'd you call and, and, and how important was that? And, and what was that feeling like? Because you must have anticipated it a little bit when you're in AAA. But really, when you get that signification that you are going to the big leagues, it has to be a phone call there. To, who'd you call? Right. So I called my dad. And, and so my dad, uh, my dad the, the story with my dad, my dad grew up in a Masonic home in Utica, New York, um, in a boy's home, and was a huge Brooklyn Dodger fan. And so then the irony that I get drafted by the Dodgers, you know, years later. um, And then I, you know, here I am, I'm making it to the big leagues with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And when you think of it, the the chances of that happening, the, the, um, I don't want to say like, at that point, you know, that there's a lot more going on in the universe than to make that happen than just, you know, that was, that wasn't just by chance. And so to call my dad, um, and let him know that, uh, you know, look at, I'm going to the big leagues. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I realized it at the time, but now as a parent, uh, probably, you know, to hear that from your son, that's probably a moment that, well, I'll never forget it. 
you know, he'll never forget it. And so that was, that was special. Um, you know, getting to share that and, and, and tell him that. But after that, I mean, I didn't really, you know, then it was, it was on to, uh, to stay up the rest of the night with the other guys. <laughs> hey, you had mentioned that uh, it was Tommy Lasorda, uh, who was a skipper up in the big leagues when you got there. What was that reception like from Lasorda? Because on the outside, we've all heard the stories that he wasn't necessarily easy on the young guys. So he was, uh, so, so this is the thing. My, my perception of Tommy was growing up as a kid, uh, we used to watch the Dodgers a lot in our household and he would, you know, he'd be the third base coach. And he was the first guy I remember flopping around on the ground, like literally laying to have <laughs> a guy slide into third, you know, to get down and uh, always, you know, and then in spring training, you know, this boisterous guy, loud, you know, rah, rah, rah. Um, and so then when we get called up, it was, they, again, the Dodgers, we, we were in a, in a race uh, to try to win the division. And so it wasn't a, a situation where, you know, we were coming up to, yes, it was a reward, but also in some, you know, shape to help the club. And so Tommy was, hey, congratulations, you know, you got to the big leagues, but, you know, we're, we're here to win and we want you to be prepared and I'm going to use you and blah, 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 that sort of thing. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a, all right, yeah, this is great, blah, blah, blah. Because again, he's, you know, he was focusing on trying to win that division. EK, when you come up um, and you're on that playoff team uh, that, that is, is going after the playoffs, yeah. you have to have some mentors, right? Uh, was there anybody in particular that you remember that, that stuck out in your mind that, that helped you along the way and, and kind of gave you that ease of being in the big leagues. Well, so the, the guy I spent the most time with uh, that was already on the ball club uh, was with a Hall of Famer, Gary Carter. And he was a uh, he was a catcher on the team, backed up Mike Sosha. But we, uh, you know, we were both getting a lot of bench time that month of September. And so, you know, the joke was, you know, who was grabbing the seeds for the bench? Who was going to go get all the gum? Who was responsible for the, the snacks and, and that sort of thing? And, and you know, it was interesting because um, at that stage of his career, he said, you know, he, he would I, I would watch him get ready for games and prepare. He said he would spend more time getting ready to play the game than the actual game itself. And that's, again, because of the age and, and, and physically – you know, having to prepare, prepare himself. And I hadn't been around anybody like that. I hadn't, I hadn't experienced like that, you know, anything like that. Cause we were all young guys and we're all, um, you know, just trying to, to get to the big leagues. When you uh, think of moments, right. You, you talked about your exploits as a pinch runner and yes, we know how, how fast you, uh, you were a fleet of foot. Um, take us into that first hit for you, because it, it is an important moment that you'll always remember. Uh, what, what do you remember of that moment? So I, I, I'd gone a few at bats without getting a hit and, uh, you know, I'm wondering, man, am I ever going to get one? It was a pinch hit against the Cincinnati Reds, uh, late in the game. And it was a, a double to, to win the game. And it was off of Milt Hill. And again, I, I was nervous about it just because I hadn't, uh, I hadn't had a hit. You know, my first start was against uh, the Cardinals, Real Cormier, a guy that I had faced in the minor leagues and had a lot of success against. And uh, Tommy had given me a start. I'm thinking, yeah, this is perfect. And I went uh, strikeout, strikeout, ground ball back to the pitcher. <laughs> so, you know, that was uh, a little disheartening, but the, once I got the hit off a of, of Mill Hill, and, and it was a, it wasn't just a, a single late in the game or whatever. It was a it was a game winner, and it was uh, you know it happened to be the only hit that uh, I got uh, in September. You know, you move ahead to uh, the next year, and you're trying to establish some traction. So, take us back to the moment you seem to indicate uh, might have been the biggest shot in the arm to your career. May 23rd, 1992, Dodgers are home. You're playing the Pirates. Your team's trailing in the ninth. Pittsburgh has its closer in. Lasorda, who made your career, by the way, as a pinch runner, as you mentioned earlier, <laughs> looks down the bench. 
And, and he apparently looks you in the eye. Pick up the story from there. So th- that season, I, I made the ball club. I get to the uh, – I'm starting against lefties. Then I get the job full-time, and then I just crap the bed, and I'm back on the bench. And it looks like it's a matter of time before I'm getting sent back to Albuquerque because I'm not playing – um, I get a pinch hit uh, against Danny Jackson, get a hit, get a pinch hit against Tomlin, get a hit. And now it's uh, Saturday night. We're playing the Pirates. The bench has been completely exhausted. And it wasn't as if Tommy went to me because he thought I was the best option. I was the only option. He had run out of players, nothing left. Stan Belinda's throwing right-hander, kind of a sidearm guy. He was their closer for the Pirates and the Pirates at the time, that's Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonilla, Vance Slyke, they were one of the top teams. So I come in to pinch it and uh, runners on first and second. And, you know, it, like nowadays, like they, they give the, the percentage chance of, you know, each play being successful on the, on the computer, that percentage would have said zero, right? <laughs> <laughs> you kind of hit or whatever. So, um, I went up there and I, I fouled off a ton of pitches and I just kept fouling them off, fouling them off, getting another pitch. And um, you know what? I don't know if the ball ran into the bat or what, but it, like, seriously, I, 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 did, I hit the ball and I was like, I it was like, holy shit. Yeah. And the thing kept going to left. And I said, Bonds just literally just turned around and looked and it went out and I'm going, that's running around the bases. I, you know, I was really digging myself right there. <laughs> and, and then the thing about it is, so that's a game winner. And the next day I started against Doug Drabeck, a right-hander who at the time was a, you know, I mean, he was always in the Cy Young conversation and I didn't, I had that job in LA for, you know, up until I was traded till uh, 2003. And so that at bat for me, you know, obviously career changer. EK, you have those moments, right, uh, that signify you, but also give you that confidence inside. Um, and then when you start looking up and you come to the ballpark every day and you see your name in that lineup uh, consistently, was there, a, was there a time where you felt like, hey, you know what, um, I had those moments, but now I feel like uh, I know I'm an everyday player at the big league level? So it's, it's crazy, but it, it probably wasn't until 95, the year 1995, that I started to feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. And I'm going to be that, that guy as far as in the lineup. Was that something that uh, I, I think um, when, when you look at Tommy Lasorda, did he have that edge on you? Did he keep that edge? Because that was the type of style that he had as a manager um, was it more of that or was it just you just t- feeling like I have to continue to do this more and more to be that everyday player? No, I, I think it was, so Tommy was always trying to build you up, but it, as you know, it's, look, you can get all the rah, rah, rah you want and all the, Hey, you're great. Nothing is going to, um, breed confidence better than having some success. And so 92, I had a good year. I mean, and, and, 93 was okay. 94, I, I, I slipped. I had a thousand different batting stances. And so that's, so then the, the doubt starts to creep like, okay, wait, I'm not getting better and better. Like what's, what's going on here. And that was the year we had the, uh, the work stoppage. And so then 95 was kind of a crossroads for me as far as, you know, am I going to, am I going to turn this thing around and, and improve or, are we going to continue to go down the ladder? And, um, you know, it was crazy. 95, I go into spring training. I, I, I finished 94. I had a thousand different stances. I got this open stance, Andres Galarraga, you know, I'm like <laughs> facing the pitcher. I think like that's, that's what's going to work. And the irony of it is Mariano Rivera saved my career. If it wasn't for Mar- Mariano Rivera, that guy, he, and the reason I say that we're playing, the Yankees in spring training. He's a young starter at the time. He's starting against us. I got this wide open stance. You know, I think this is going to be my stance this year again. 
Dude, he threw a ball that I didn't get to close my stance, and he hit me right in the sternum. Wow. You know, and down, and I'm like, <laughs> like I couldn't breathe or anything, like <laughs> flopping around like a fish. The open stance went right in the shitter after that. <laughs> Got off to a great start at the beginning of 95. But if I'd have had that open stance, you know, who knows what would have happened in my career. So, like, Mariano Rivera, honest to God, I mean, he was he had just as much importance in my career as anybody. You know, yeah. <laughs> I wish people could see what we could see because folks who are listening on this podcast, you may not notice we do this on Zoom. So we're looking at Eric right now. He tells a, such a, 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 a fabulous story. Uh, we're thinking through all your all your accolades and 95 st- stands out to me because it was a year that you had the numbers. You could have been an all star uh, that season. Um, I think Mark McGuire even went so far as to say there are times where he thought you should have been on that team. What, what's your recollection of having a productive season, not getting to that stage? Uh, lack of a better, for lack of a better phrase, I'd say I got fucked. How's yeah. that? Can you yeah. put that on the podcast? Yeah, you can. It's on now. <laughs> I mean, so, so it's great. I mean, so there, look at the, the 90s uh, and early 2000s, there were a lot of great first basemen. And I, but, but the kicker wasn't so much 95. I mean, I'll tell you, the, the year that I like, felt like I took it in the shorts was 2000. In, in, in 2000 at the All-Star break, McGuire was hurt. There was not another National League first baseman that had more RBIs or more home runs than I did. And so that year also a bunch of guys, you know, outfielders were getting hurt. Guys were – they were having to replace guys on the roster. So I figured, like, look, I'm at least going to be the first base. Well, no, I don't get picked for that. Well, these guys are coming off the roster, you know, didn't get picked for that. And the the real icing on the cake for that is I was watching SportsCenter, and Dan Patrick was on the air at the time, and he's talking about all-star selections. And then they go to a section of guys that got snubbed. Dude, I didn't even make the snubbed list. <laughs> Which I was like, whoa, wait a minute, man. How I, okay, maybe I guess I shouldn't have made it. I, you know, but that was, uh, look at, you, you know, you got to have, uh, you know, you got to have year, you got to have a hot first half. And, uh, but I, I go to 2000 and like I, my roommate at the time, you know, Mike Piazza, he used to go every year and he, he loved it at first. And then he'd always complain every year and goes, hey, I wish I was like you, not having to go or get a break for four days, you know. But I wish I would have gone it. You know, I, I do wish I would have had an opportunity to play once. Interesting uh, when you go through all those uh, snubs. But you, you mentioned Mike Piazza, which it really comes into a story. Um, he comes a year after uh, you made it to the big leagues. Um, that relationship was special for you guys. Uh, and, and you changed the whole uh, town of Manhattan Beach. I know that. But <laughs> what was that uh, like to be around Mike Piazza? Because he, what a presence in the game of baseball. Right. So he, Mike, uh, so Mike and I uh, got close in the spring training. You know, he it was funny because a lot of people early on before he went with the goatee, people would confuse us, you know, and, and hey, is that Mike or Eric? And in fact, you know, one at Dodger Stadium when we were both rookies and we'd come up there and we were getting honored in September, you know, they, they had the scoreboard, they had you know, Mike is me and me is Mike. Right. And so Tommy, Tommy had always fostered a relationship where we take, taking care of both of us. Uh, so, you know, we, we got close. And then when we, when he came up to LA, um, you know, he moved in with us. I say, yes, there were a couple of us that shared a, shared a place and there was a room available. And so to, to come up together to, both be, you know, play for the Dodgers to be single, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. A lot, a lot of great times. I I think, you know, for me watching him hit and, and having an opportunity to hit behind him, to see him, there really wasn't a better right-handed hitter in the game. And, and the power that he had to the other side of the field, uh, the strength, um, you know, just his, 
not only was he physically a presence, but cerebral from a cerebral standpoint, hitting, um, you know, fortunate to say that I got to play alongside him. EK, uh, you know, you guys uh, were formidable middle of the lineup, uh, obviously with, with all the home run power that you guys had, but it really takes us to uh, something that's very unique in, in the storied uh, franchise in Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, rookie of the year comes to mind. You come up uh, in 1992 with the rookie of the year award and you guys go on a run of five straight rookies of the year, including Mike Piazza. Uh, speak to what that really meant to the organization. I know individually it had to feel good, but uh, really it's, it signifies how talented this organization really was. Well, so the, the Dodgers had always, you know, talked about player development, bringing up their own, the Jackie Robinson award is the, the rookie of the year award. So obviously that, you know, has a, has a huge uh, impact in the organization. And then you talk about the, in the late seventies, early eighties, there was a stretch where they went on a run. Dodgers went on a run, I believe I, four guys. Yep. Um, and, and so, you know, Tommy has always prided himself on bringing up young players and, and developing them. So, 1992 was a, a horrid season for the organization when we lost 99 games, but I, I, I was fortunate enough to, to win the rookie of the year award. Mike comes up the next year and, you know, just obliterates everything. Um, as far as the numbers he put up, I mean, he, he was, he was in MVP conversation. He wins the award. We have Mondesi who physically was as talented as anybody. Unbelievable. He wins the following year. Then we have Nomo coming over from Japan and then, then uh, Todd Hollinsworth uh, capped it off. So that was, you know, looking back on it, it's nice to be a part of. It's it's nice to have a run like that. Um, you know, would I would I much rather look back on that saying, hey, look, at, we won a World Series here. We won a World Series, you know. Um, we were in the, 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 you know, the process of, the, we had a lot of young talent. But we, you know, hey, we traded away Pedro Martinez, right? Um, we, we, we traded away, uh, you know, some other Pedro Stasio. we trade, you know, so we, we had a lot of young guys, um, and there's no question that the, the development system was probably as good as anybody's in the organization. Um, so it was, it's, you know, looking back on it, fun to be a part of. Yeah. You, you mentioned Jackie Robinson, the award, uh, for the Dodgers, 18 rookie of the years, uh, the next closest to the Yankees is nine. So it, it really puts in perspective. Yes, it's it is about championships, but also that brings up something interesting on our podcast that we like to bring up, and it's it's the rookie cards and your baseball card. What did that mean to you, if anything, uh, seeing that the first time and obviously signing all those? So I was a huge baseball card collector uh, as a kid growing up. Whether you know, go down to the Seven Eleven, uh, you know, down the street. We, my brother and I had always walked there when we were little by the, the packs, you know, that was our big deal. And, uh, like, I mean, I, I don't want to admit it, but I'll admit it. I mean, one time I tried to rip off three packs <laughs> and the lady from seven 11 grabbed me and started screaming at me and terrified me because I was about six years old at the time. But, um, baseball cards, super important to me. And then, um, for me, my first card uh, I still is an upper deck card, and the irony of it is it's a picture though of, of me playing first base. And you would think, okay, yeah, that's for, but it's me in Bakersfield, California. And the reason, the, the, how you can tell is if you look at me in, in my uniform, the the name on the back, Carol's, in the big leagues with LA, it was it's stitched right in the uniform. Yep. At Bakersfield, there was a big patch, and it just said Keros, and you just stuck it on the back. And so if you look at this card, you can see that it's a big patch on the back, and you would know that, yeah, okay, this is a big league card, but this is actually a minor league, minor league photo. So, But I haven't cards. So I, I, I got a bunch of cards. Um, I You know, I, the funny thing here, after my rookie year, I had a – I had a card deal. This is when, when memorabilia and card signings were real big. So I did a deal where I had to sign, I signed 120,000 cards, but 
you know, I was more than happy to do it because I made more doing that than I did my rookie year. You know, my rookie year, I mean, you know, my, my rookie year was a hundred and I mean, that was about 106, 109,000. Yeah, that's right. Like that. So, um, you know, I, I was more than happy to sign those cards because I, heck, I didn't know that. I, you know, as a, as a, you don't know if that's going to be your only year in the big leagues. You don't know if it's going to, what it's going to be. So I was like, yeah, shoot, I'll sign those cards. Bring hey, them Eric, on. you mentioned your dad was such a big fan uh, of the Dodgers. What was his reaction when he sees your first big league card with LA? So I, I, I don't like the card thing for him. I, I don't know if it was that important as much as like you got the whole thing. My dad caught a ball at the polo grounds that Don Newcomb pitcher for the Dodgers, uh, won an MVP, hit off the Sal Magley of the Giants. My dad took my mom for their honeymoon to Dodger Stadium to see Koufax and Drysdale pitch. My dad's, you know, we listened to Dodger games growing up as a kid. Um, You know, my dad would go into his office. He was a banker. He'd go into his office and in this part of the house, it was the only place we grew up in San Diego, the only place in the house that could get radio reception. And that's where he'd be listening to Vin Scully and the, and the Dodgers. And so, you know, my brother and I go, you know, lay on the floor and, and, you know, hang out and listen to him. And so the whole Dodger thing growing up, it's kind of eerie that, it was such a big part of our life. And the crazy thing is I hated the Dodgers growing up. Couldn't stand them. Loved the Cincinnati Reds. Reds were my favorite team, but the whole Dodger thing for my dad. And, you know, again, as a parent now, I, I, I can only imagine how, you know, special it was for him to have his son play for a team that he was such a big part of his life. EK being around you, uh, you have, good perspective and and you reflect on a lot of stuff. You mentioned Don Newcomb, who was incredible when you're in that uniform. And I spent a a year and a half, two years in that uniform as well. It's special to not only put that major league uniform on because of the history, but also you mentioned Vince Scully and there's so many guys that, that represent the Dodger organization Put in perspective for you how you felt uh, with that and how you do feel with with the history of the Los Angeles Dodgers. So the history thing's crazy. So, again, I, I think that I have a greater appreciation because it was so ingrained in my upbringing, right? Like if I had to, if I had to see another Garvey, say, Lopes, Russell <laughs> yeah. deal, I was going to – like, I mean, growing up, that's all I knew, right, as far as baseball, I, you know – we went to Padre games and, and uh, you know, I love the Cincinnati Reds, but the, the, the Dodgers, that was an everyday occurrence. So then when I get to the big leagues, forget the big leagues, when I get drafted by the Dodgers and get to spring training and, you know, at the time, Roy Campanella is going around in the wheelchair. Sandy Koufax is walking around. Duke Snyder is there. Um, Don Drysdale like these are people that were were like for my dad were were heroes right and then now i'm walking and interacting with these with these guys and i had to like still to this day it's like i i sit and i i got to pinch myself and go holy jeez cuz i still think i'm the same jerk off guy running around in san diego as a high school and, and that, cuz that's that's what we all you know we all come from somewhere right and to be, to, to be, I don't know, I'm not going to say a part of the hit, but to be, to interact with these people that have accomplished, so, that are Hall of Famers, that have won world championships, that I grew up idolizing, um, you know, crazy. You know what, uh, you say that with so much humility, and I think that is just the kind of man you are, but if folks look at the numbers, uh, they'll find the guy at the top of the list when it comes to, uh, home run leaders with the Los Angeles Dodgers happens to be Eric Karros more homers than anyone in the history of the Los Angeles Dodgers your third all-time if we include Brooklyn uh, which I think is a fascinating statistical measure but when you look back at that what does it tell you about your contribution to Dodger lore well I, I, I look at I, I I feel like I was consistent I feel like I 
I, I played a role in the, you know, in the nineties, I, you know, I got to wear the uniform for, for 12 years here in LA. Um, I still don't, I, I don't, I don't see myself as anything other than is I, you know, I, I did a deal the other day with Ron say, I grew up watching Ron say, you know, Ron say made a comment of, you know, this is a guy, you know, he was just joking around, but he's like, ah, oh, this is a guy that took my home run record. Right. And, and so when he's, when you say that, then I, you know, and it's coming from him, I go, wow, that's, you know, I, it, I still, I still don't believe that I, 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 I was able to experience the things that I've been able to experience. And quite frankly, you know, I look back, I, I try to remember my career. Brett Butler said it to me, Brett Butler, who I, I played with in LA and during the, we had the riots here in LA in 92, couldn't go back to my place where I was living. I stayed with Brett Butler for a week. So he'd give me all this, this, you know, he was older at the time. He's mentoring me, giving me all this advice. But he said one time, he's sitting here talking to me. He says, EK, he says, remember, he goes, remember to appreciate every day in the big leagues like it's your last because it's going to go. And he snapped his fingers a couple times. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm 23 years old. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Say, I got my whole career ahead of me, dude. I got, this is going to, this is going to be great. But I'll be darned if this career didn't go like a snap of the fingers. And I can't remember 99% of it. Like, it doesn't even feel like I played. Wow. The only reason, like, I feel like I played is because I'll see something or I'm doing an appearance. But, you know, I can't remember 10 games. Like, it blows me away when I hear guys say, well, I remember facing blah, blah, blah on a Tuesday. And he started me off with a curveball. Then he came back with a slider. And then he threw a fo- – I'm like, What? <laughs> yeah. What? How the hell can you remember that? Like, I I, re- I can remember a handful of games at best. And and it's amazing too the the recall that some people have in this game. It, it, it mar I I marvel at it. And most of them are are either managing or they're do, you know they're doing something. Sween dog, do you honestly believe these guys? I call both. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. Yes, I do. There there's times that. That you sit there and go, you know what? Was someone telling them that, or is, is there is there an earpiece in their ear to be able to say it? Uh, Ek, you talk about the moments, and and I think uh, we'd be remiss to not talk about your playoff um, opportunity in '95 against your your favorite team, the Reds. Uh, what do you remember of that? Um, so that was so our my history with the Dodgers and the playoffs. Uh, we did. We never won a game, which like you look back and you're like, geez, that's a complete failure. Um, but, you know, against the Reds, we lost the first game should have the second game. We should have won. We we had we were down five. We were down three to two going into the ninth. Tommy did not. We, we didn't use our closer for the top of the ninth. We gave up two more runs. We end up scoring two more in the ball. We lose five four. But it's you know, what were we saving our closer for? Then we uh, we flew to Cincinnati. We were down 2-0 and then just got blown out. Um, I remember I remember Joe Morgan calling those games. I remember having a, a good series. The irony: Joe Morgan um, was a was an uh, an idol of mine growing up. Um, I remember thinking that oh, this is going to be the norm. We're going to playoffs every year. That. Um, you know, we just got a, we got a bad break here. Things didn't go well. Um, but I, like, I don't know. I, I think because it was my first taste, um, I'm not sure that I, I took it in as much as I thought I should have looking back on it just because I was young and I'm thinking, man, this is going to happen all the time. You know, me and Mike, and we're going to lead the team forever and, you know, you have this aura of invincibility, but, um, you know, look at, I, I look back on that. And I always feel, you know, you, you go back with the rookies of the year. We had a young team, but we never, you know, we never made that move to get that, that veteran guy to bring us over. It's like, I, I, you know, looking back on it, I, I say, geez, you know, like the Padres go out and get Greg Vaughn and the, the Braves are going to get Danny Nagel and we're, we're, we're getting Chad Curtis. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you know, and, and we never, we had a young team 
but we never had, even like I go back to the Dodgers in this, in the early seventies, when they had the Garvey, say Russell Lopes, they went out and got Jimmy Wynn. Jimmy Wynn was a guy that arguably should have won the MVP in 74. And so, you know, they got a Reggie Smith and, and that's why I look back at, 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 you know, my career with the Dodgers and just that run as we had some, we had good players um, we had some, you know, future all famous, but we never had that veteran presence. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's what we missed. Eric playoff team in 95 and 96. Uh, but your time in LA comes to an end after the 2002 season, mm-hmm. as we've talked about, I mean, this is your history. This is who you are growing up. It's in your blood. It's your identity, yep. but you're flipped in December, uh, to the Cubs. Did that come as a surprise to you? How'd you process what happened? No. Well, um, so it was a contract dump, essentially, is what it was. And I still had, I had 10-5, right? So I could have, I could have nullified the trade. 10-5 is if you're with the club, or if you're in the, I don't even know what the rule, rule is. Like, you're in the, with the club for, or in the big leagues, 10 years, five with the same club, you have to okay the trade, I believe. Um, so anyhow, the, going to Chicago, the, I, yeah, I was, I was, I was kind of bitter is, you know, the LA is the only place I, I knew. Um, and I lived here. The, for me though, the, the saving grace was Dusty Baker had just taken over for the Cubs. He was going to be the new manager. And I knew Dusty just, you know, again, the Dodger lore and then playing against him and he had managed the giants. And I talked to Dusty prior to you know okay in the deal and you know you're like hey come on let's go you know we'll give it a shot see how it goes blah 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 and you know the reality was the the group in LA they didn't want me you know I had to I had to accept that and it was a you know it was it was management new you know general managers uh, you know it just and I had to look at I wasn't the same player um so I, you know, I, okay, I'm going to go to Chicago. I'm going to make the best of it. And it turned out to be, uh, you know, one of the best experiences, both on the field, off the field, um, that I could have ever had in my career. And so, you know, looking back on it, it's that, you know, one door shuts and other opens. And, um, you know, getting an opportunity to play for Dusty, having the season that we, we had in Chicago, uh, you know, it was a time that I'll never forget. EK, you thinking of that time, you go over there, you're not even the starting first baseman. He sopped Choi as the first baseman. Um, but that evolves. He gets hurt. You end up going in there and playing. But that whole season evolves. Uh, Mark Pryor, 18-game winner. Uh, things are going. And Dusty Baker has changed that whole dynamic. But we know what the history is for the Chicago Cubs. It's uh, almost waiting for something bad to happen. Well, that does happen. October 4th, 2003, the Bartman game. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's see it through your lens, if you don't mind, uh, going into that playoff game. You don't get the start, but you do go into that game. What do you remember about game six? So at that time of the season uh it was i was platooning with randall simon so i don't get the start but we're we're you know look at we had been up three games to one we we lost a game in uh in florida uh so now it's three two we're coming back to chicago we've got uh prior and wood so look i'll take that any day of the week and um so that game, I go in late. We've got a uh, – I pinch hit, then uh, finish up. I, I We were up, I believe, three to nothing going into that inning. And, look, you're not like, – like, I wasn't thinking anything of history of the Cubs or whatever. That is something that – very aware of it because I sat in the stands in 1984 when uh, – Tim Flannery hit a ball that went through Durham's legs at first base and game five where the Cubs end up uh, losing. And I was there the night before when Garvey hit a home run off of Lee Smith to right center field. So I was very aware of, of Cubs history, but I didn't think that like that had nothing to do with as a player, like that, that has nothing to do with anything. Um, 
we're up three to nothing and then things kind of start to, you know, go sideways. The kicker, obviously, you know, it's not really the, the Bartman deal as much as it was. We have a ground ball hit to our shortstop who mm-hmm. was the most automatic guy of all time. Um, and it's, it's a, it's, it's a possible double play ball. And at the worst, it's one out. We don't get any outs there. And, you know, then, the, then we got problems. Then there's a, a pop-up, uh, Luis Castillo, uh, you know, I can't remember. Was that, that was, I don't even remember. Like, I think it was Luis Castillo. He had hit a ball. They don't, you know, Bartman, it, he does what any fan would do like that. You know what any fan would do that. Everybody wants to focus on that. But again, I go back to the ground ball. And even when the, the foul ball happened, it's like, I, that's not a big deal. We're going to get, you know, we got, we're going to get a double play here. We're going to get out of this inning. You know, that doesn't happen. Then the ground ball and then, you know, Alex doesn't make the play and then it just, the wheels go off. I'm still not thinking anything at the time or because like, look, we got Kerry Wood tomorrow. We're going to win tomorrow. It's Wood versus Redmond. We're winning that a hundred out of a hundred times. You know, and so it wasn't until in the first inning, Miguel Cabrera, hits a three run home run in the first inning off of Woody. Wow. And then I'm going, Oh shit. Yep. This, this might not turn out too well. And, but the irony of it is we go ahead. We, we had a five to three lead going into the fifth with Kerry Wood on the mound. And, you know, again, I'm still not thinking like curse or bad luck or anything. Um, but, you know, we ended up losing that game and it, look at it, in the fifth inning, Kerry Wood walks a guy to lead off the inning named Brian Banks. Brian Banks yeah. ever plays in the big leagues after that season, goes on to become a dentist. <laughs> How does Kerry Wood walk Brian Banks? Like, I look back <laughs> at some of the stuff that happened, and then you go again, then you go maybe there was the universe wasn't going to let the Cubs win that year because yeah. there's some crazy things you know, Mike Lowell comes in the first game and hits a, a ball that goes in the bread basket or the little basket, and he's pinch hitting in the, you know, extra innings, you know, off of Mark Guthrie. Mike Lowell was the most bitter dude going then because he had lost his job to Cabrera. Yeah. Wasn't playing. Like, I, I don't know. It's just like crazy things happen that series looking back on it. Uh, you know, the Bartman thing, that gets all the play. But he did, he did nothing that any – you know, every other fan would have done the same thing. Yeah, you know, EK, I mean, Alex Gonzalez, 10 errors that year. Uh, he was so sure-handed. Uh, it was a shock to everyone. It's just kind of how baseball evolves. You lose game seven. Florida goes on to win against the Yankees that year. You, in particular, um, go to Oakland A's and finish up your career. And then you're starting to realize, hey, hey what's next? Uh, to me, that decision sometimes isn't as easy as people think it is just staying in the game, but you choose uh, to go into the broadcasting route. What, what made you choose that route? So I I was lucky playing in LA. I I always had opportunities. So if we weren't, if we weren't in the postseason, um, then look at the local stations would ask, Hey, would you like to to do some postseason work? Uh, Stu Nahan, who um, was a longtime sportscaster and also uh his claim to fame was uh, an appearance at Fast Times at Ridgemont High. The, uh, you know, he kind of took me under his wing, gave me some chances. The, uh, the real break for me, though, was with 2004. I had, so I had been released by the A's. I'm back at home. And the uh, uh, Fox needs somebody to do a game. Uh, there was a, an announcer scheduled to do the game. He... Uh, you know, there were some issues, so he couldn't do the game. So they wanted Fox asked me to do the game. So it's my first, I've never done a game in my life. It's the Dodgers Giants, the Saturday, the last Saturday of the season, playoff implications. They're fighting, both fighting for the division. So I do the game uh, with, uh, with Tom Brenneman. And I still remember talking to my producer before the game. He's, He's talking, you know, he says, all right, so you know this, this, and with the headset, this, this, you know, how many games have you done, blah, blah, blah. And I tell him none. And he's like, wait a minute, 
we're doing a national game on Fox playoff implications. And I got a guy that's never been in the booth before. Like what the F right. <laughs> and uh, so that was, a, it turned out to be a great game. Steve Finley hits a walk-off grand slam to clinch the division for the Dodgers. But that was the first game I, I had ever done. And I thought I was sweet. I thought like, man, <laughs> I, I knocked this thing out of the park. And I was, uh, you know, but looking back on it, I was, a, you know, I, I did so many things wrong. And, and you know, my, the, the, my play-by-play guy just led me through and was, was great. So, but I think, all right, now I got a career in broadcasting. All right, what's next? Well, so Fox, uh, Ed Gorin, president at the time, uh, said that it would be best that I go learn the trade and get reps somewhere else. And that was ESPN. And ESPN gave me an opportunity. Um, I went and I did College World Series, Little League World Series, and, and which was probably the best thing I ever did because I was doing at sometimes two games a day. I uh, got to work with some wonderful people. Um, and, and that really was a, I, I spent two years at ESPN then came back to Fox. Uh, but there, there's no question, uh, my time there, uh, you know, enabled me to have enough experience and, to to refine some of my, my abilities to, you know, to, to translate this thing in to quite a career with Fox. You know, it, it has been quite a career. You continue to do work, especially with games, but also you do uh, MLB whip around with Kevin Burkhart and, and all the fellas to be able to do that. And I'm, uh, I'm occasionally on the show with you as well. I, it's, it's amazing how your career after your playing evolves and you've done a fabulous job with that. But what I did, what identifies you is that UCLA was huge. You've mentioned it already um, and you have the ability to be a dad now to two boys that are going to UCLA and experiencing that on the baseball side to that. Speak to uh, what that means for you of, of being a dad and uh, how nervous are you when it comes down to uh, raising two boys? It's, it's, it's sort of surreal. Howie, Howie Long, who had a couple of boys that you know, played in the NFL and, and you know, former you know, Hall of Famer, he said it best when talking about being a parent and, and let alone being a, a former athlete and a, and a parent of kids that are playing, he said that he would sit in the stands and he would also liken it to playing where the adrenaline just gets going, just like when you're playing and sitting in the stands, watching your kid play, you know, the adrenaline gets going. The difference though, is when you're a player, you could release that adrenaline on the field whether it was football or baseball, whatever way you could really in the stands, you got to sit there and you got to be stoic and you got to be calm because if you start screaming, it's like, Oh, there's that ex athlete jerk off, just can't control himself (laughs) out of control parent, blah, blah, blah. So it's, there's no question. It's difficult. And, and, but I'm, I'm, I'm proud, but I, I, I also have to, you know, it's, I'm, I want my kids to create their own path. They're not, they're not me. They're not, they're, they're, they're their own people. And, you know, one of the things that I will never be able to identify with, and I can always, you know, look at, we can all draw as parents. We can say, well, back when I went through this and you can try to explain to your kids and relate your experience, I can't relate the expectations that are placed on my boys just because of, you know, what I, what I did for a job. Right. And, and that I can't relate to. And it's gotta be like, look at my, my, my older son used to be a first baseman in his junior year. He was like, screw it. I'm going to be a pitcher only. Like I'm done with the first base garbage and you trying to teach me how to hit and whatever. And, you know, he pitches and, you know, the younger one is still, uh, you know, he's, He's a position player, but he does not. He plays third base. Um, I'm I'm super proud of him. I, I think more than anything, you know, my wife and I are most proud that they're good kids. You know, knock on wood, knocking. Um, and and you know, the sports has allowed them something to you know to 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 focus on to you know keep them you know disciplined. To, but I I don't I don't have any like oh my kids got a you know, do what I did or play in the big leagues or anything like that. 
EK, well, you talk about that, and yes, you're going to be in the stands watching your sons. What's next for you? Is that something that evolves? Are you continuing with the broadcasting and want to do that? Or even out of the out of the game of baseball? Well, so right now, and it's I kind of fall in the steps of like my parents, especially my dad, is with my kids, I'm going to you know, be as involved and be a part of, of their life as long as I can. And I've got a, you know, I've got a, a, a daughter too, that is now 30. Um, and, you know, I, I was very involved in her life as far as basketball and she played hoops and all that. And because I'm not going to get that time back, not going to get it back. And so the being around the kids, I, you know, look at, I, I plan on, you know, going to UCLA and watching games, but there is a next chapter, right? Uh, you know, I, I've been fortunate to do the broadcasting thing, you know, that, that really isn't up to me. That's up to Fox. Um, you know, what that landscape looks like. Uh, I've been able to do things with the Dodgers over the last uh, number of years. Uh, Andrew Friedman and, and, and Dave Roberts have been very good to me. Um, you know, so I, I don't know what, what, you know, the next chapter looks like. Uh, look at my wife and I are empty nesters, maybe traveling. <laughs> who knows? Um, but I do know that the, uh, you know, the time with the family, the kids and, you know, look, I, you want to be a big part of their life and, and you want, uh, you want to continue the interaction. Um, so we'll see where it goes. Eric, we can't thank you enough for the time. We know you're busy. Thanks for fitness in. Very special time spent with you. Much appreciated. Good times, guys. Good luck. Thanks. Thanks, EK. All right. Eric Karos, the Los Angeles Dodgers all-time home run leader. 14 years in the big leagues, 12 of them in Dodger blue. Thanks so much for checking out Major League Beginnings. If you had as much fun as we did, we hope you'll go ahead and hit the subscribe button where you usually download your podcast from. It could be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you like. We're just glad to have you aboard, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.